0: comic timing is a proud member of the
1: comics podcast network Network, bitch bitch. (laughs) print
0: it welcome to episode 150 of comic timing hey there folks changing it up ever so slightly 150 episodes it only took us 150 years and uh, joining us uh, today, of course, the uh, co-host who has been here for most of the run, Mr. Brent Casina. What's going on, Brent? Co-host, non-co-host, co-host, <laughs> throwback. <laughs> as you started out as, yeah. Yes.
2: C- congrats on surviving. Now that we hit another milestone, do I get another promotion? Yeah,
0: now you're just uh, co. Co, I like that. Yeah, no No. No host, no nothing, you're just Co. Just go. <laughs> and we're joined this episode uh, by the guys, some of the guys who inspired this podcast to happen to begin with, the Comic Geek Speak Boys. And uh, introduce yourself one by one, as you always do, folks.
3: Uh, okay, I'll go first. That would be, uh, I'm Jamie D. I'm Shane Kelly. And I'm Adam Murdo. Hey, guys. How's it hey, going? Ian.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and hey, Brand also. <laughs> Congratulations on the promotion, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Co.
2: You. that's, that's Co. two-thirds
0: of CEO. <laughs> I, don't,
2: I don't get a raise, though. No raise. We don't it's like either. the
0: FedEx commercial. <laughs> well, uh, again, I mean, uh, he, he already lets me read his comics, so uh, it, that, that's how he pays for the, uh, for the hosting that I pay for. Uh. <laughs> oh, is that the deal that we worked out that I wasn't aware of? That is the deal that we worked out that you were not aware of. You're damn right. Okay, that works. So, so back in episode 10A... Back when we actually had A&Bs, back when uh, David Price was still co-host of this show, back when he's still known as the Man of a Thousand Podcasts, we had uh, Vince B. and Sean Whalen on that episode to talk about both team books and Infinite Crisis. That's how long ago that was going on. uh, Wow, that's the
1: Wayback Machine. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we talked about team books then, and I figured it would be a great topic to uh, bring back up for episode 150 because it's such a such a deep topic to go into. So yep. uh, before we get started on that, uh, I'll just remind the folks out there that we're sponsored by DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service, at dcbservice.com. They've been supporting us now for a bunch of years, and we're happy to have them for 150 and beyond uh 50 off trades and hardcovers for dc and marvel whole bunch of great deals out there for marvel single issues dc single issues image dark horse you name it and use the promo code ct8 to get an additional eight percent off on your first order with discount comic book service and uh, cam and the boys will treat you well i thank them very much for their support so before we get into uh, individual books and stuff like that, I figured I'd start off with a, with a nice vague question, and uh, we'll, we'll start with the CGS boys and then roll back around to us. Shane, I'll start with you. Uh, what, what makes a good team book for you? Uh,
1: I have to like the characters. I don't necessarily need them to always get along, but I don't want them at odds with, e- with each other every single issue or mm-hmm. adventure. But yeah, for me, it, it starts with, with just liking the characters that are on the team.
0: Okay, uh, so pretty pretty much you need some sort of chemistry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can't just be some random dudes that uh, that have never actually met before. Stick them into a boat and find out what happens when you stop being polite and start getting real.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no real world superheroes here,
0: <laughs> Murd. What about you?
1: Uh, well, chemistry
4: probably uh, serves as an answer for me, too. I, mean, I, I do prefer my super teams to uh, cooperate well and uh, not to be at one another's throats. Um, mm-hmm. you know, much as I like Roy Thomas as a writer, um, as his career wore on, the contrived uh, conflict among team members in uh, many of the team books he wrote kind, kind of got to be a hallmark of his and one that I was not pleased to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the characters to, uh, to cooperate well, and I also like there to be some kind of organic connection between them. You know, there was some reason why these characters should be together on a team. Uh, some of the most uh, infamous super team concepts in history, uh, for example, Marvel's champions of L.A., are examples of characters who don't really have a good reason to coexist on a team other than some editor thought it would be fun to slap them all together and see what happens.
0: It's like, these guys aren't anywhere else right now. Let's, uh, let's just bring them together.
4: Let's put them here all at once. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, one of my favorite teams is the Freedom Fighters. So there's an example of a team that has uh, well, it's sort of a meta-textual uh, rationale for their coming together, but they're all characters that happen to have been published by you know quality comics back in the '40s. Right, Defenders of the Earth are characters that all just happen to have been published by King Features Syndicate. So even if uh, if the common thread behind the characters, the common hook is uh, not uh, organic to the story or the universe, if it's something you know, outside of the diegesis, something that we the readers are aware of, but they might not be that that. that that's that's enough just as long as there's some kind of hook that um, leads it to make some kind of sense for these characters to coexist on a team.
3: Yeah, Makes
0: sense to me. And Jamie D. I,
3: I don't worry about the reasoning behind the fact that they're together. I, like any comic book out there, it really is. You have to like the characters that are on the team. You have to not all. I mean, not to like all of them, but there has to be that, that hook for you to, to continue to pick this book up in and out it, to be one of the the better teams was the defenders and they have no reason to be together other right. than a curse put on them and they constantly fight. Yet it's one of the more entertaining books out there because the characters are interesting and I like the characters. So that had, to me that you have to like, a few of the characters and of course you're going to, you know, they'll throw in some, a few a holes and there will be a few, a few, you know, people that are just there because editorial mandates it <coughs> Wolverine. And <laughs> it, it really is just, um, you know, you have to like some of the characters on the team.
0: Yeah. No. And, and that's, that's one of my uh, key features for, for teams as well. For me, there has to be fun. You know, it can't just be a whole bunch of, you know, yelling at each other and, uh, and, and, uh, you really understand why they're even still standing in the same room together. Because, I mean, that could be fine, say, like, for an issue if there's some major conflict. But by the end, either break up or stay together because you can still manage to to stand each other. You know, that's that's one of my main uh, qualities for a team. The other thing, too, is uh, there definitely needs to be some sort of, I guess, balance for the team. Because if it's just, like, four Superman types on a team why are they even on the team? Like, they might as well just be individuals, uh, you know, battling everything uh, on on their own because there's, there's a reason why for the most part with uh, with Justice League, say, for example, there's usually only Superman. It, you don't usually have Shazam and Superman on the same team because then I guess it, it doesn't really, like, why do, you, why do you even bother with, say, like a Batman tactician if you've got both Shazam level and Superman level on the same team? You know, so I need some sort of balance in the uh, in the in the characters on a team to make it work for me. Brent, I like I like what you said. I like the team being
2: able to have fun and have fun with each other, so that they're not so serious all the time. And with some of like the more ancillary team books, sometimes I feel like they need they really need a mission or a reason for being. You know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it doesn't have to drive every story. But if it if it drives a you know seventy five percent of the stories that they're going through or, you know they're fighting against one big bad or something like that or building towards something, uh, I got to feel like I'm actually reading something that's moving forward in a direction instead of just you know uh, this writer want to write a team book and these are people he likes and then boom that's what you got and then you know sixteen issues from now it's a totally different writer and a totally different team and a totally different. Uh, you know, thing the team needs to have a mission for me to enjoy it.
0: it it's it's funny you mentioned that because right away uh, something like Secret Avengers comes to mind, uh, where there there were multiple uh, writers on the book and maybe even multiple I guess conflicts coming up, but it all seemed to be cohesive while it was out. You know, like it all seemed to be the same team, even if it was being written by different people. And I, I think that was that was one of the things that made that book enjoyable for me. We'll move it over to uh, the creative <clears throat> side. I'd say, what creators do you feel are maybe the best? At putting out team books, because there are—I mean, obviously, some creators are simply just more cut out for individual characters than they are for the team dynamic. Um, I mean, Shane, I could sort of guess what what uh, what your favorites are off the top of my head, but uh, sure, <laughs> sure, <laughs> but but if, if that's not want. too hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, other than uh, than Giffen and Day Mateus, uh, who else comes to mind?
1: George Perez. I think he does a fabulous job anytime he puts more than fifty characters in a book. Mm-hmm. It, it, just what he can do with cramming characters that make sense in his art uh, just astound me.
0: Yeah, no, and and he, God, he he draws uh, splash pages probably better than than I'd say anybody, and it just it just lends itself to a team book so well. He, has, he really hasn't uh, has he has he written any uh, team bosses I know he's done some writing uh, in the past but I think other than maybe like a Teen Titans issue here and there I can't really think of anything all the time
1: yeah I can't head. think of anything that he wrote team
3: or I, like I want to say he wrote Ultra Force but yeah. I'm not 100% sure on that from um, the Malibu verse okay, mm-hmm. okay. I, the I,
2: memory I have of that
0: is the crappy cartoon yeah. <laughs> 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 you mean the absolute X-Men ripoff cartoon right, exactly <laughs> <laughs> USA sort of sort of Network, weird zombie man. <laughs> well, my, my my favorite part about that block though is that it was Savage Dragon and uh, and Ultra Force back to back to back. It was weird. Wow, I didn't watch Savage Dragon. I remember Ultra Force though. Okay, all right, yeah. And I, I remember Wildcats was also on USA Network uh, at the same time. I guess part of like a, a Ultra Force image uh, block yeah. back then. Jamie, how about how about you? Creator was
3: uh, creator wise. Uh, uh kurt Busick i think is is a great uh writer of team books um whether it be what he did with the Avengers or um just the fact that he uh, you can almost call astro astro City the ultimate team book mm-hmm. because he's that's his universe, so every hero he has, whether they be on 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 you know their ultimate hero team or they be part of the first family. Um, that's that's his voice. So I think he he lends a voice to a lot of different uh, people. If you're going to go old school, Chris Claremont. Oh yeah, um, mm. is is a great writer of team books, and with with many uh, with with many voices. Uh, personally, John Byrne I think is a great um, a writer of team books, um, specifically the Fantastic Four. Um, so those those are some of my. My favorites when it comes to uh, Marv Wolfman again another great oh, yeah Marv Wolfman, writer of of teen books Teen Titans oh, yeah. and 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 pretty much all the stuff he did at Marvel was with a lot of the Teen books.
1: I Even would have to throw now that I think about Hickman in there with his writing of FF. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, over the last couple of years, mm-hmm.
0: and and what he's doing with Avengers now. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's right up there for me. Brent, um, I've only been reading maybe in the last 10 or 12
2: years, but something came to mind to me while we were talking, you know, everybody regards Watchmen as one of the greatest comics of all time, but is it really regarded as one of the greatest team books of all time? I I would say there's not really a team in that book. Hmm. Um, Just, just thinking about it. So I would not put Alan Watchman in there because it definitely didn't feel like a team book to me since all the stories were so Hmm. separated and disjointed until it all kind of came together at the end. But um, that was more about a team falling
0: apart than, uh, than
2: a team together. Um, for me, some of the great team book writers, I really liked um, Jeff Johns's uh, Teen Titans run, uh, and even even after he left, after the one year later stuff, I don't remember if, if it was Bedard or Beechin, one of those guys came on and kind of introduced Blue Beetle to the team, and it kind of up until issue, I, th- I want to say it was like a hundred right there. I really enjoyed that that run of Teen Titans. Um, Brian Michael Bendis, I've been reading his Avengers stuff since the beginning, so he's definitely up there with me. I love the Woody banter, and, and I love Hickman on Avengers. Not so much Fantastic Four, but I'm loving the Avengers stuff right now. So those are the, my top guys.
0: Yeah, no, he's I, I, again. It's it, it's a whole it's a whole another level of of Avengers after the Bendis stuff. This is a nice uh, breath breath of fresh air, a completely different take on the Avengers, which I've really been digging. A lot more cosmic. Makes me yeah.
2: It, it feels like there's a lot more uh, story going on. And it feels like it's not so decompressed as much as Bendis' stuff was. Yeah. Uh, Murd, let's turn it over to you.
4: Okay. Um, well, uh, I'm going to agree that Kurt Busick, you know, as, as Jamie said, is a very good choice, and, and also the aforementioned Jeff Johns, and uh, both of them for about the same reason, really. Uh, when they They... With their uh, deep and uh, detailed knowledge of, uh, of uh, comics history, you know, that they're able to dig into the established uh, personal biographies of these characters, the things that they've undergone, and uh, they, they can just kind of uh, weave together a coherent characterization and a distinct voice for each character based on what they've gone through. So, so a characterization born of continuity is sort of uh, those two writers' specialties, and I appreciate them both for that. Claremont uh, is another very excellent call oh, by our... Yeah esteemed uh, CGS uh, capitan over here. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, Claremont uh, had his background in the theater, so he uh, learned how to craft dialogue for a number of different voices uh, by writing... Uh, scripts for plays Um, that he brought that to comics Uh, also a master of the the, uh, convoluted uh, backstory, which uh, enriched his characters that way Um, and uh, his uh, successors on the X title um, X titles I I, I would uh, throw out Scott Lobdell's name actually I really enjoyed the X scripts he turned in in the 90s Uh, I don't know if I can necessarily recommend his Teen Titans uh, book right now but uh, based on uh, past accomplishments I'd I'd, uh, give him a mention. Uh, Roger Stern's run on the Avengers was another good example of teen book writing, a little stronger on the plot end than the characterization end, I would argue. And there was one other that I had just thought of a few minutes ago, and it's flown out of my head.
0: Well, if it comes back to mind, uh, you can go ahead and bring it up.
4: Okay, I will.
0: I uh, I would actually second Lobdell. In fact, that was going to be on my list of, uh, of guys because as a child of the 90s, I, I grew up on his uh, on his X Men run as much as anything, and uh, you know he, he really did do, do a good job of crafting characters that to this day are still some of my favorites. I mean, he was I guess re- sort of brought in as a fixer at times, like almost uh, like oh we need we need a, a writer in a pinch. Let's let's get mm. an issue out there and, and make oh. it work as much yeah, as
4: they they brought him in just before the Morrison run, a new X Men. I remember.
0: Yes, exactly. And and the ragtag team that he brought together with Gene uh, Grey and a whole bunch of students we hadn't really seen before. I actually really enjoyed those issues leading up to Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, his Teen Titans stuff, even though I've I've dropped uh, most of my DC, in fact, just about all my DC books at this point. I was enjoying his Teen Titans run while I was reading it. It's just you know again, it's uh, New Fifty Two is not exactly my cup of tea right now. So I just <laughs> let it uh, let, let, let it uh, fly to the side uh, for now. I'd actually put Warren Ellis's name in there as a oh, yeah. as a very good uh, team book writer. Both for his Stormwatch work uh, while, while he worked uh, at Wildstorm, he did a really good job on that. And uh, even though there was conflict in that book, there was enough of a a driving force uh, to to I guess really keep things going as a cohesive team unit. And uh, again, his Secret Avengers stuff that uh, that he put out uh, a little while ago, uh, right before they uh, they relaunched the book for Marvel now was was a very good filler arc, uh, both working with individual characters of the team and the team as a whole. Uh, that was some of my, my favorite work of his in, in recent memory, actually. So he he would be right up there for me. And I guess I'll have to even say Grant Morrison, just because uh, his Justice League in the, in the 90s uh, was a return to form in a lot of ways for the Justice League.
1: Yeah, um, I think that was his strong point for, for team books. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, although I did enjoy New X Men while it was out, uh, it just—I'm uh, not sure if that aged nearly as well as uh, as some of the other books that he's that he's written over the years. I might have to go back to it and see if I still appreciate it the way I did back in the day. Yeah and there was one other that I had and just like Murd it just flew out of my head so <laughs> <One teeny laughs> Did
4: we, I remembered mine so uh, go ahead. Maybe I'll talk about him for a minute maybe you'll remember yours sure uh, it was Matt Fraction
0: there you go he's,
4: he's got such a fertile restless imagination you know he, he likes to you can tell he just likes to bore into various characters heads and come up with a and give them a unique speech pattern and a voice all their own it's kind of a challenge to himself you know I hadn't realized this about myself when you initially asked us the question Ian what we think makes a good team book but I've discovered about myself that uh, apparently uh, I also like uh, all the characters to have a unique and individual voice and a speech pattern so that uh, the characters aren't just like little cardboard cutouts or hand puppets uh, all speaking uh, with the same voice and with the same feelings uh, with the uh, differences between them being largely arbitrary so I think a, a strong superhero team writer must be able to differentiate very strongly, visibly, and pointedly between characters, and uh, so most of the writers I've named are able to do that. And you, Fraction's another example.
0: You mentioned Matt Fraction, and actually, one of my favorite books he's ever written is still The Order to this day. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it's it's terrific. I mean, that was right before his Invincible Iron Man run, and it's actually what got me to pick up Invincible Iron Man to start with. It's it's a very well done team book, uh, bringing about bringing together a whole bunch of uh, of fun and characters that. Uh, uh, we had never really seen before, but i mean the 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 head of that team, the head of the order is the guy who played Iron Man on the uh basically Tony Stark on the TV show <laughs> and, and he and they wind up giving him powers as part of the uh the Avengers initiative and he he heads this team of ragtag uh of uh, ragtag characters and uh that's where one of my favorite lines ever comes from "Oh my God y'all I'm fighting a bear <laughs> So I, I definitely recommend picking that up if uh, if you had, if you haven't gotten around to it. Art by Barry Kitson as well. So. Yeah, it's, it, I remember reading that. It was only ten issues, but
2: that was one of the other one of the only books that was really doing anything with the initiative. While it was, you know, other than the Avengers hunting the Avengers and Avengers, the initiative and stuff, that was the only one that was really giving you a picture of the of a team in one of the fifty states. And uh, that's really what made it enjoyable for me, as well as the characterization.
0: Yeah. Uh, Brent you brought up uh, that you were trying to bring up Uncanny X-Force I think yeah uh, I mean for me I,
2: I'm, I don't know if you were thinking about it because I remember you talking about it a little while back when it was going on but Uncanny X-Force I read the first trade and I'm reading Uncanny Avengers and it seems like Remender's doing a really good job uh, tying some things together or, you know writing characters that have conflict with each other in the midst of the conflict that the team has with whatever uh, battle is is going
0: on right now yeah and and Plus, I mean, you, you got to mention Bendis in one way or the other. I mean, he, he's you know some some of his uh, his his work might be a little compressed, but you know he did in a lot of ways help make the Avengers uh, what they are today. Both both in comics and and elsewhere. I mean, think of uh, for instance uh, the Avengers Earth, Earth's Mightiest Heroes animated series was taken very heavily from from Bendis's work, and that's one of my favorite animators to this day. Uh, partially because of that so that's definitely Bendis is, is up there for me Let, let's roll over actually to uh i guess maybe eh, let's we'll throw out a top three there it doesn't even necessarily have to even be in order uh because i don't want to do top five because you guys have that patented What
3: yes, we do <laughs> 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 top five tm we'll yes. say we sue your asses <laughs> yeah
0: exactly you you sort of know where i live um so uh let's uh
3: let's give Perhaps. if New York City is sort of
0: well I mean it's a small town I mean Brooklyn yes. I can narrow it down to 5 ah. I 5 everybody knows to everybody one. Else.
3: one of the five boroughs cool <laughs> well four four and a half
0: staten island about only about a half oh, okay. uh, <laughs> let's let's get our uh, top 3 uh, books out there and uh, I'll go with uh, brent first oh gosh um yeah, but, you know, new avengers there, by bendis new avengers by bendis uh-huh. uh
2: in no particular order gosh yeah the teen titans jeff Johns, mm. and I would have to say uh, Justice League. I really enjoyed Meltzer's run while it was going, so I'll throw that one. Okay, uh, what was, uh, up until McDuffie left and it kind of started falling apart, I thought that was a really strong Justice League book. What was it about? What was it about those books that uh, that I guess make the teams so good for you? Um, Meltzer, him and Ed are I, I really liked that first arc and. I, they were kind of jumping around between the different narrations of of the characters, and then, as it kind of after that first arc, it was kind of a smaller thing and then McDuffie jumped on, had the injustice gang, and kind of you know brought it back to a big picture instead of this small internal conflict that these characters were were fighting against you know one guy it was suddenly the a lot of characters you know more bang for your buck as c g s guys always like to say you know. um. <laughs> So it was a lot more characters in one book, and then you got the the conflict, and then we started getting new characters and starting to explore vixen you know characters i hadn't really been exposed to before, uh, like Vixen and Red Tornado and Black Lightning. Um, that run really established those characters for me in the d c universe um, Jeff Johns the teen Titans book i didn 't think I would ever give it a shot, but you know post one year later, I jumped on and uh, really enjoyed kind of him kind of wrapping up those characters and then exploring the uh Characters around the world and things like that. And uh, what was the last one I said? Did I say a third one? Uh, you you had New Avengers. New Avengers is Bendis. You yeah. redefined Avengers for a new generation. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Boom. Jamie?
3: Uh, Avengers. Uh, this is in order. Avengers. And that's any era. Yep. Um, e- even up to an, including the Dr. Druid era. Um, <laughs> every, every Every family has that. That relatively you don't talk about. Well, that's the era we don't talk about that much.
0: That and, but, that and Heroes Return.
3: Yeah, but you tell <laughs> <laughs> you, you wound me, sir. You just wound me. <laughs> uh, I came onto this show willingly, and you it <laughs> that in my face.
0: <laughs> Sorry, man, daggers.
3: Especially the Roger Stern run, the earlier runs. The burn, you know, burn, um, Stan Lee doing, doing it uh, with Dick Ayers and all that kind of stuff. In the beginning, just, you know, great, great stuff. Uh, I would go to Fantastic Four again. Almost any incarnation of Fantastic Four, whether it be the latest you know that Hickman did, I wasn't a huge fan of Fraction. What Fraction did, but I thought it was okay. Um, especially the first hundred issues of, of, of Lee and Kirby. That's that's basically you read that, you read the Marvel Universe. Oh yeah, or the birth of the Marvel Universe. And I think one of one of the greatest runs is the John Byrne run, um, just for sheer taking characters that maybe didn't have that um take especially Doctor Doom, which is one of my favorite bad guys, taking him and really giving him a great background and and, and fleshing him out and just just taking the book back to its roots. Um also the Perez run in there that um I believe Wolfman was was, was writing it. And then I would uh, just so I don't, I don't totally look like a, a Marvel zombie. <laughs> I would also say agree with teen Titans, but I'm going to go old school teen Titans and I'm going to go the Wolfman Perez run up through and including issue 100. Um, after issue 100, anybody who read that knows how that pissed a lot of people off what they did with Starfire and Nightwing mm. at that point. And, um, I had pretty much invested, you know, years into this book, and I just they just you know made me go away in in one issue. So um, to me, those those are some just that's just some great, great team team writing, team developing, and uh, teen comics for and T E N comics, not T E A M <laughs> comics um, for people out there. And it's still to me is is, is as poignant today as it was back then.
0: Man, that Dick Grayson loves his redheads, doesn't he? Yeah, sure, does. sure does. Funny thing,
3: that. <laughs> yeah, we, can, we can get that intergalactic babe that hardly wears clothes, why, why wouldn't you? <laughs>
0: exactly. Man has a type. That's right. Uh Murd.
4: Okay. Um, and I'm not going to try to rank mine either. I love each of them equally in different ways. That's fine. Okay, but Thunderbolts which is uh, both of, like a hero and a villain team in one, mm-hmm. best of uh, both worlds. Uh, any of the stuff by Buzik, of course, and, or, for, or by Fabian Nicieza, which is every bit as good as what Buzik turned in. And uh, you know, even the stuff by you know, Jeff Parker, the Warren Ellis run was cool. Is it anything Thunderbolts that doesn't involve like extreme supervillain cage matches or uh, uh, Thunderbolt Ross? Any incarnation of the team uh, that does not uh, contain either of those elements. Uh, It's it's a story about uh, supervillains, you know, characters who have existed in the Marvel universe for years or decades but never really uh, grew a third dimension until they got the opportunity to step into the role of hero briefly for a nefarious purpose and discover that they like it so much that they want to seek redemption so as to continue fighting the good fight permanently. It, it's, a, it's a gripping concept, and it's, uh, the, the series was always just uh, steeped in Marvel Universe history oh, yeah. under both music and Nicieza especially, and it's just a
0: lot of fun for a lot of reasons. And a Nisieza of, brought, uh, brought uh, Genus Fell in, and that always made me happy.
4: Oh, yes. So whether he was Captain Marvel or Photon that week, yep. it's just poor, maligned, and uh, nowadays forgotten character. Yeah. Just, it's, it's a shame. Terribly, yes, uh, crying shame but yeah the thunderbolts is one of my favorite series period you know team individual marvel dc otherwise i love thunderbolts all-star squadron on the dc side uh, from uh, roy thomas and who wrote every single issue and a variety of artists including jerry orway ordway at times rich buckler at other times um, and many others um uh, so this was uh, just a, his way of uh, throwing together all the coolest toys of his childhood, you know, all the Golden Age characters, every single costumed character published by DC and uh, also uh, quality comics. So that's where you know, the Freedom Fighters characters were fair game for him at that time um, and also some occasional uh, guest appearances by Golden Age Fawcett Comics characters, the Marvel family. Um, and it was, the whole thing was set in uh, the, the early days of World War II on the parallel world of Earth 2. You know, the concept that's near near and dear to my heart, the DC Multiverse. Yep. So a lot of cool stuff going on. Uh, now, granted, uh, Roy Thomas, as I mentioned earlier, uh, he, he's sometimes given to having his characters squabble for no reason, which can be tiresome, but that, that wasn't as much a problem with All-Star Squadron as it was with, say, Infinity Inc. a little later on. And uh, he also, since he was working with such a very large cast, dozens and dozens of characters, he didn't always get the opportunity to uh, develop distinct personalities for more than a small handful of them. A lot of the others were just kind of uh, you know, just a, a two-dimensional um, walking, talking ciphers, but a uh, uh, little more than a costume and a power, uh, not so much a personality behind it, but still, yeah, I can give him a pass for that, because that, that, that series for the 60-plus issues and a few annuals that it ran was just uh, one of the coolest toy boxes in all of comics. Some of the greatest characters just kind of thrown together, just to have you know close to 60 different Golden Age characters in a room in oh, a single boy. scene. And uh, each of them um, getting at least one line of dialogue thrown in there is an accomplishment in itself. And he introduced us to the Earth-2 Aquaman. Ooh. Yeah, a little – it was at the very end, just when crisis was uh, going on and uh, Roy Thomas knew that uh, the axe was looming above the whole Earth-2 concept. He threw that in
0: there. How how different was he from the Earth-1 Aquaman? Oh, Pretty, pretty different. Uh, well, for vis- visually, he had uh, big
4: flared yellow gloves instead of green ones. Okay. Um, so other than that, he looked kind of like uh, the, the Aquaman we know. But um, uh, origin-wise, he was not the uh, Prince of Atlantis. He, was, uh, he had nothing to do with Atlantis. He was actually the son of a marine biologist who uh, genetically engineered him, basically. Uh, well, of course, they didn't have that term in the 40s. But uh, he was uh, raised somehow to uh, be able to survive underwater and to communicate with sea life.
3: He just couldn't swim. That was a crazy part. <laughs> yeah,
4: that, that, was, that was the iron. Well, that's if he were created by Stan Lee.
3: Uh, he he the, just it, really just liked treasure.
0: drinking Aquafina. That's right.
3: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Product placement, baby. Yeah. And number three on
4: my list is Excalibur. The nice. issues that involved uh, uh, either Alan Davis or Chris Claremont, preferably both. Fun, wonky, offbeat, uh, definitely not the same flavor as your usual X Men spin off. Uh, kind of a European flavor, you know, kind of a strange sense of humor to it throughout, uh, a bit of whimsy that uh, was sadly lacking in other X titles at the same time. I think it must have been therapeutic for Chris Claremont. Well, uh, well sometimes I think that uh, all the darkness. And uh, suffering that he poured into the uh, regular Uncanny X-Men series was therapeutic for him too, but uh, uh, Excalibur helped to readjust him, I think. Uh, so it was a fun series, including some longtime and uh, much-beloved uh, X-Men characters, uh, Nightcrawler and Kitty Pride, Plus, uh, from the other side of the pond, Captain Britain and Megan, and um, the figure from the, the days of future past reality or of... The variant version thereof a uh, Rachel Summers, daughter of uh, Scott and Jean the Phoenix, uh, plus lots of wacky supporting characters, a uh, bunch of old uh, Captain Britain antagonists called the Crazy Gang who were loosely patterned on Lewis Carroll characters, and they were always fun to see show up. Gatecrasher and technet, a bunch of uh, incompetent uh, interdimensional mercenaries. <laughs> Uh, yeah, th- th- that book was just a whole lot of fun, and Alan Davis, when he was drawing it, I mean, his artwork is, is – he's one of my favorite artists ever. And then talking about being able to differentiate characters on a team book, few other artists know how to draw unique facial features as well as Alan Davis did. No question. an Alan Davis-drawn team book, you know who's who, even if they're not in costume.
0: Do, do you also enjoy the, uh, the Excalibur he's written?
4: Uh, yes, actually, I uh, started reading Excalibur um, right in the middle, of the, like around the, 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 the 60s issues. So we okay. were talking in 1992, 93. So, yes, I enjoyed those two. If, if anything, they had uh, even more of an authentic British flavor to them than uh, the, the issues that uh, Chris Claremont wrote early on. Gee, I wonder why. Or, yeah. <laughs> maybe because somebody who actually is from uh, the United Kingdom was involved.
0: Maybe. Could be. Shane.
1: My number three is the X-Men and Uncanny X-Men books when they went blue and gold teams back in 1991. That was oh, yeah. my gateway into the X-Universe. And uh, it was a crazy ride for all of the 90s and some of the 2000s until I fell away for a while. Now, with them being so prominent again um, and and doing so well for me. Uh, but that, that first probably 50 to 100 issues of each title – is uh, what I was reading crazy heavy in, uh, in the 90s, and I loved it.
0: It was a game changer at the time, too. I mean, it, they, 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 they really hadn't done that, that sort of, uh, I guess, repositioning of the X titles uh, really ever.
1: And I think for, for a lot of it, as much as they crossed over every now and then, they really did keep their own voice, at least in my opinion, for quite a long time, a lot longer than I thought they would, as far as people in what book and maintaining in Uncanny or in X-Men.
0: No, they, they, they. Well, and for that matter, uh, it, it helped that they were really on their own adventures for the most part. I mean, when, yeah. there, when there were crossovers, there were crossovers. But sure. other than that, uh, you had distinctive stories going on in both X Men and Uncanny, and uh, and you know, the two didn't really have a reason to meet because they were off on opposite sides of the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, my number two is uh, GI Joe, Ooh. the Marvel stuff from Larry Hammer. You know, this was my gateway into comics. Period. The the first – as as much as I had some books here and there throughout childhood, once I started with, with G.I. Joe, that's what I was getting every month at first. And that led me into comic stores and that led me into DC and Marvel books other than just G.I. Joe. It was so different from the cartoon, which is the only thing I had watched up to that point. Um, to read these intertwining stories and the backstories of, of like Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow and to get – not only the biographies of the characters and the toys, but to have them play out a little bit more in the um, comic book then and things happen to different characters. It, it was really something I had never experienced reading books as a young kid back then. I,
0: I got into the, in the train a little, a little bit later, uh, shock of shocks due to my age mostly. But uh, I mean I watched that G.I. Joe cartoon uh, whenever it was on as a mm-hmm. kid and uh, I very much got to know what the battle was all about.
1: Yeah, it, it was really something. Um, and some of the cartoons, th- they played off each other a little bit every now and then, not much. Mm-hmm. I, I think one episode of the cartoon was one of the characters was leaving at the same time he was leaving the comic book. That was kind of neat to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a fun a fun read um, with ever-growing cast of characters and storyline Springfield and the Crimson Guards and – Cobra Commander and his son, and it just kept going on and on, and it just, for me, got better and better for a long time. Uh, at least the first hundred issues was really solid for me.
0: Were they able to get away with more in the comic than they were in the cartoon? Like, was there more, say, like violence and blood?
1: Uh, um, yeah, and it, I, I think so. Not, not so much blood. They didn't really keep the comics bloody at all. It was, it was, it was violence in, in that there was fighting. Okay. It was not as, as simple as. Everybody getting shot up in the cartoon, yet everybody survives. wasn't quite that. Right. But you sure didn't see the bloodbath all the time. It was just battling, and people got hurt, and people died. I, I think they were allowed to explore larger storylines in that comic.
3: Okay.
1: They couldn't get away with that in the, in the cartoon. The cartoon they kept really for kitty viewing. The comics they explored and, and allowed storylines to expand as time went on.
0: Right too much lasers and parachutes in the uh in the in the in the cartoon version too. Yeah, yeah. To have anything go any <laughs> further.
1: Um my number one much like Jamie's Avengers, it's Justice League. Pretty much any era. It doesn't matter. My you know, my favorite's Giffen Dimmeteus and and McGuire, and that was a unique voice in amongst Justice League titles, but really any era of Justice League, I'd be happy as a clam to sit down and read.
0: Yeah, I mean they're they're the cornerstone of the DC universe when done right, and for the most part, they've been done right over the years, except for a few you know bumps in the road here and there. Yeah,
1: little hiccups, and even those, as 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 much as they are bad, I still wouldn't trade any of them as as not being in my Justice League collection.
0: Yeah, no, and that's uh, and I, I would I mean I would agree with that. I mean. I again really didn't get into Justice League until the Morrison stuff, but I've since gone back and read. Uh, say, you know, I've I've read a few uh, volumes of the Given Day Matea stuff, and I read a little bit of of the Detroit Justice League, and uh, that's some. The Detroit stuff in particular actually surprised me as uh, like I, I, going into it, I didn't expect it to be just as enjoyable as it as it was.
1: It's it's a bit underrated when you know when it when it was happening. It seemed very downtrodden like this is oh gosh these people have fallen from grace but you know give it a few years and look back on it it really wasn't all that bad it just wasn't something that the viewing reading public wanted to sustain they wanted more from their justice league and yeah. and that came around e- even if they didn't get it necessarily with the braha league which which i did they got it eventually with the mars and stuff which which returned them to greatness in my opinion For me, that book's always been about the best of the best of DC teaming together to do what the Avengers do or should do for Marvel and battle the cosmic, keep everything away from Earth, keep Earth safe stuff.
0: Yeah, they've always been uh, the the Earth's protectors and uh, they probably will be for time to come. I'm going to do my best to pick three that people haven't picked yet because number one on my list, whether I like it or not and i sure as hell like it is young justice
1: i knew it yep. that was on that was mm, boy i i wrestled with that and put gi joe in its place <laughs> that was, that, that was mm, boy oh, i was thinking of that one yep. that's a that's a great book
0: it's what got me into the dc universe uh when when i first started dc comics it was young justice uh right around the time of zero hour i started reading and uh, young justice was right there with me and i mean a, the combination of peter david and todd knock on on the writing and the art, it was just so much fun. I mean, every single issue, I couldn't wait to read the next one. And and the characters that they that they had going in there, even when they had a revolving door later on. I mean, you had the fun stuff like Little Lobo. <laughs> I mean, what what's more amusing than a than a little chibi version of uh, of Lobo running around trying to act like he's a badass? There there's sentient car and uh, and secret and and. Uh, and a, and a whole bunch of others uh, involved in there. And, and Impulse as well. I mean, Impulse was just about as good in Young Justice as he was in the Flash comics and uh, and his own title at the time. But it really got me my my appreciation for the relationship between Wonder Girl, Tim Drake, Robin, and Superboy. Because they were the cornerstones for me. And it really got fleshed out over the years. They, and, and you understood why their friendship was there. And uh, as, as a kid growing up, that was exactly what I needed out of a book. So that's, that's why I, I freaking love that book and I go back to it every now and then and just read a random issue because it's, it's just fun. It's just good times. Uh, number two, Exiles.
1: Oh, that's a good yeah. one too.
0: Judd Winnick's Exiles. This, this book, I have been always been a huge fan of Dimension Hopping like more than anything. And when when this title first came out, I I saw the cover and I'm like, all right, this could be interesting and I picked it up and I was very presently surprised by uh by what I got. I mean, you had uh, you had the Age of Apocalypse Blink returned, uh, a mimic that was actually, well, I hate to say it, interesting uh, cuz uh, mimic has always been one of those characters in the Marvel universe and never really got his uh time of day. Nightcrawler's uh Daughter uh, Nocturne, which uh, came from the Millennial Visions, a version of Morph that everyone's uh, grown to love, uh, probably just about as much as the version that was in the animated series. Uh, you had uh, the the son of uh, Magneto and Rogue in those first couple of issues, and a uh, Warp. I believe it was Warpath, if memory serves. That uh, that was a, a Horseman of the Apocalypse. That was a member of that team, and uh, they they basically dimension hopped, uh, quantum leap style, writing all the all that once went wrong and trying to keep things steady. And I really enjoyed that book, even after Winnick left, I stuck with it all the way, uh, even through the Austin stuff. Like I couldn't believe mm-hmm. myself; I was actually reading a Chuck Austin awesome book and enjoying it every ever, ever so slightly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what was what I really wish had more legs, and I don't know if you guys checked it out when it came out. Volume 2 of The Exiles, which ha- which was written by Jeff Parker, hmm. and it did not last very long. It only lasted about, uh, I'd say, maybe six issues, maybe even less than that. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, and it was, it was again, a lot of fun. You had a version of uh, Black Panther in there, which was T- T'Challa's son. You had uh, a new version of uh, a Beast, uh, a Scarlet Witch called The Witch, Forge, and Polaris, and then eventually Blink showed back up. And again, it was just a return to old of the uh, of the fun dimension hopping. So, definitely on there uh, on my list, no question. And the the other one that I would put up there is the uh, specifically the I guess the the Joe Kelly era of the X Men. Just just for Maggot and uh, and Cecilia Reyes and <laughs> and all the uh, all the characters that uh, growing up just again really. I it really intrigued me, and I wish that they had had more more legs while they were around. You know, I, they, they they still show up every now and then. I mean, although Maggot, I'm pretty sure is dead technically.
4: But um, yeah, I think I've heard that he died in a mutant concentration camp in Frank Thierry's Weapon X series.
0: Yeah,
4: so you like Maggot too, huh?
0: I am a fan of Maggot. Yeah, and uh, I always really have been. I, he was just a, a very striking character to me, and, and those uh, those little uh, bugs that he uh, that mm-hmm. he went around with, I really yeah, wanted me and meeny, meeny, <laughs> yep. Yep. I have a uh June, Bob Kim uh, Cecilia Reyes uh, sitting on my wall right here as I record so that's via 07, old school <laughs> uh, and before we go further with this episode you know what Jamie, let's uh, let's hit it
3: let's hit it, okay, <laughs> hang on un momento my my
4: whoever could have seen it coming gee yeah.
0: it's as if it wasn't discussed before
3: See how the move by. Muddle the bird,
0: ladies and gentlemen.
3: Yeah, there are actually lyrics to that. I, I I'm I'm utterly amazed that anybody sings to that one too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this one has been submitted by some weirdo named Ian Levenstein.
3: Yeah, so. he's he's like he's like a stalker of ours. It's kinda of crazy. It's I a rare know. privilege. A rare privilege
0: that you get to uh, muddle me in person.
4: Yes. I think the only other person to attempt that is Eamon Clark over there in the UK.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yuck. Well, well. Uh, let's let's keep it uh, on the U.S. side as, uh, as I go ahead and, uh, and muddle yeah. you with uh, three questions. Uh, now,
3: I, I will tell you, folks out there, Ian has sent those in. I've been holding on to them for a little bit. We just haven't had a chance to uh, use them. I'm kind of glad we haven't now when this came <laughs> up. But uh, he is going to read his questions. I'm looking at the said same email to make sure he doesn't try to pull any fast ones or try to change answers. So uh, go ahead, Mr. Levenstein.
0: All right. We'll start things off with uh, DC pre-1970. All right. Julie Schwartz and John Broom co-created the cosmic hero known as Captain Comet for DC Comics in issue nine of the sci-fi title Strange Adventures. Captain Comet then went on to star in the book for quite some time until the book's cancellation. How many issues of Strange Adventures starred Captain Comet?
4: Uh, oh, you know just where to aim your dagger, don't you, Levenstein? Num- numbers. Uh, numbers.
2: Choosing ah. uh. the numbers. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Not going to stall here. Right, I'm going to say nine.
0: The answer 38. Wow. Yep. Captain Comet headlined all the way from issue 9 until issue 44 and then returned for issues 46 and 49, the title's final issue.
3: Hmm. Wow. There's that much Captain Comet material out there.
4: That surprised me sur-
3: too. Which is surprising because I know how much you actually enjoy that character.
4: I do like that character a lot. Yeah, he's, he's another Adam. <laughs> and like me, he was born 100,000 years ahead
0: of his time. Exactly. Merge <laughs> time bubble. Check it out. <laughs> How he speak. All right. Number two, Marvel, post-1970 to 2000. During Peter David's groundbreaking run on The Incredible Hulk, one of the most prevalent supporting characters was Rick Jones' love interest and eventual wife, Marlo Chandler. In issue 391, Marlo is stabbed by a woman claiming to be Rick's biological mother. What is the name of this woman? Ah.
4: Now, I have no excuse for this, because she came back in Peter David's Captain Marvel series, and she was up up to her old tricks. She's the one who killed uh, Marlo's personal uh, friendly ghost Lorraine for the second time, Uh, and I cannot think of her name.
0: Pick this one just for you, too.
4: (sighs) Like I said, I I, I have no excuse. Want to throw a guess out there? I also have no guess, I'm sorry
0: All right, the answer is Jackie Shore Jackie Shore Jackie Shore was later revealed that Jackie has no relation to Rick Mm -hmm. But she did work as a daycare worker At one of the orphanages Rick grew up in She is very mentally unstable And has killed multiple people Including a few during Peter David's Captain Marvel run Which starred Rick As you so pointed out And last but uh, hopefully not least Independent 2000 to now in Image Comics Chew by John Lehman and Rob Gilroy, Tony Chew is an FDA agent who is gifted from birth with the power of a Sibopath, someone who can gain the memories of whatever he eats. His twin sister, Antonella, Tony Chew, is a NASA agent that is also blessed with food powers. What is her ability?
4: Well, I know of only two food powers from that series. One of them is Sibopathy. And so I'm going to give you the other food power that I know of. It may not be right. I believe it belongs to a character who is no real relation to Tony, um, but uh, Sabo Scrivener.
0: Incorrect. The correct answer Tony is a Sibovoyant. She can see into the future of any living organism she takes a bite out of. Mm hmm. You, sir, have been muddled. I have
3: yes, been. You have been.
4: <laughs> and it has been a pleasure. Those were all fair questions. Yes,
3: they were. I had read them in advance.
4: <laughs> fair questions and strong ones, and they just make me want to rip my own intestines out and strangle myself with them.
0: It's what I do.
4: <laughs> and you do it so well. <laughs> well, I suppose we need to discuss uh, your uh, remuneration here. You know, the... Uh, your reward for having successfully muddled me. Mm-hmm. Tell me, Ian, are you presently in the possession of the first collection of gutters?
3: Uh, strips?
0: I am not, actually.
4: All right then. You soon will be. The Excellent. Absolute Ultimate Gutters Omnibus, Volume One, by Ryan Somer and an assortment of artists. Uh, it is an oversized hardcover. Uh, this is uh, about two square feet of comics when you open it up. It's a big
3: and that's Damn. for certain. <sighs> yeah,
4: and it's all satirical uh, strips uh, poking fun at uh, various uh, comic series, characters, creators from uh, mainly Marvel and DC. and a couple of uh, you know, third-party publishers in between. It is uh, all good, funny stuff, and I think you'll enjoy it quite a bit. And I will place it in your hands the next time I see you. Sounds good to me. Maybe uh, October before that happens,
0: but it will happen eventually. Trust it, me. it will happen eventually, and uh, I can most certainly wait. And uh, <laughs> now I get to say I'm one out of two, man. I'm
2: one out of two,
3: Woo-hoo. <laughs> batting five hundred.
2: <laughs> yep. So you set up you set up this whole crossover just to muddle the merd and say <laughs> that you actually won a Comic Geek Speak trivia contest. <laughs> yes, yes. Is that what this was about? I have no idea what you're talking about.
3: <laughs> well, okay, come partially. On, has- as co, you should know this.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I may be co, but I'm not a mind reading co.
3: <laughs> There's not co voyant.
2: I'm the good
0: kind of co. I just sit back, relax, and let him lead. Exactly. <laughs> he's the uh, he's the Ed McMahon to uh, to my uh, uh, not Ed McMahon because yeah. I no I, I can't I can't call myself Johnny Carson because that's just uh, that's just too much of an ego boost. <laughs> Maybe I'm slightly Jimmy Fallon. I'm the fat announcer guy. Thanks. J- Thanks, thanks, Jimmy. Yeah.
3: You're- at, at, at least you're not Chevy Chase. Oh,
0: <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I slight, slight spoiler for uh, for the show Community. I'm so happy he's gone.
2: Hey, I would be happy to be a hologram. That's all I got to say.
0: Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was so funny the way they did it. Like, oh my gosh, Pierce is dead, and then that was it. They didn't like speak of him. They kind of had that. Quick moment of silence and it was all over.
2: Yep. No, it was it was best. The best one was. Uh, does this feel weird without uh, Magnum? or Pop, pop, whatever that. Guy was.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Was, was, does this feel weird, weird? without magnitude. Magnitude. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Who was back the next episode anyway? So that's that's fine. That's all well and good. So let's get back to the uh, to the conversation. I wanted to specifically bring up guilty pleasures when it comes to team books? Because I know we all have them. You know, ones that Ooh, yeah. that not necessarily are good or they might not even be bad. They're just ones that you wouldn't normally roll off the tongue when it, when it comes to talking about team books. I certainly have them. You guys certainly have them. Jamie, since you went, oh yes, I might as well start with you. Uh, g- give me uh, one or a couple of your favorite guilty pleasure books.
3: Uh, one that that I love and that Mr. Murdo talked about in the beginning about why they shouldn't be together is champions. Absolutely he's right they shouldn't be together, but it's just fun. The the writers and the artists who did that, uh, that book had a lot of fun with the concept. Of course, the second half of the run was drawn by John Byrne, so of course that that goes right into my wheelhouse as to loving it. You know, anytime you can have a book where Hercules punches a queen bee, <laughs> a giant queen bee, then throws him out the window or throws him, tears the wall off, throws the queen bee across, I guess, San Francisco Bay. And all the bees are on Swarm, the bad guy, which is the living bees, follows that said queen bee and Swarm becomes a, a giant up pile of bones. You, you just you, you can't make that stuff up. That's just. <sighs> 70s comics and just you know crazy fun
0: it, it's funny uh, you mentioned swarm specifically though jamie because I, he's still on my mind after seeing spider-man turn off the dark and for some reason he was there
3: uh didn't have i have not had the the pleasure of seeing that mr myrtle has mm-hmm. he's seen that
4: but yep, I have not. and with uh, kevin moyer as my guide nice was this before or after the uh the redo
3: I think it was after. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was after.
4: Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they were still having a few problems with uh, some of the, um, the boom wires that were uh, swinging Spider-Man and the Green Goblin over the audience. Yep. I think uh, – Green Goblin was fighting himself for a minute or two. <laughs> hey,
3: where'd he go? But
4: Holy yeah, I, I do think they had retooled it. Bam,
3: bam. <laughs> oh, I'm going to punch myself. <laughs> Who am I swinging at? Where'd he go?
0: Yeah, I, I saw the uh, the revamp uh, back in December, right before they closed it here in New York. It'll be reopening in Las Vegas, and I think another month or two.
3: Where they'll kill more. They'll kill, they'll kill more actors there. Yeah, Vegas, oh, or, or, or <laughs> injure more a- actors there. Yeah. <laughs> Another one, and I, I had to look it up because I just could not remember the name. But it was a book that came out of nowhere. It uh, involves one of your favorite team writers in. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Warren Ellis's Next Wave? Oh yeah. Um, Stuart Immerman did the artwork for it. It was only twelve issues. Casada kept trying to claim it wasn't part of DC uh, Marvel continuity. Uh, although it was just, it was just a send up of of Shield. Monica Rambeau was there. Uh, Captain Marvel, later Photon, um, and just goofy, wacky, fun. Um, you know, it's he's. Thank God for Wikipedia. I'm looking at the entry here, and it said Ellis said he kind of stripped, took the authority and stripped down any kind of logic or any kind of, uh, and took to the bare bones and just threw stuff against the wall. I mean, the the team was uh, you know, Elsa Bloodstone, Monica Rambeau. Uh, Tabitha, Tabitha Smith, uh, which I guess that, that was Boom Boom, right? Yeah. Uh, Aaron Stack, uh, the Machine Man, and uh, the new captain, uh, the new uh, the leader was, uh, was Captain Anger, I believe it was. He,
0: he, he usually just referred to himself as the captain.
3: The captain, because yeah, he was Captain Something Filthy,
0: yes. some unutterably <laughs> foul word that was That's usually
4: right. symbolized by a string of skull and crossbones right. symbols. It,
3: it says right here: it says the captain, the obscured word you. Uh, being so horrible that Captain America allegedly beat seven shades of it out of him and <laughs> left him in a dumpster with a bar of soap in his mouth. He so was it just, probably
4: drunk at the time.
3: Yeah, so r- right there. I mean, y- you had me. I, I I remember not picking up the first issue, but when the second issue came out, somebody was like, you got to read this. So I went back, got the first issue, and I was, I was on board. And it was, like I said, didn't make any sense really. Uh, there was a, there was a narrative within the book, um, but yeah, just had to buy into it. Um, I, I want to say we talked just talked about community and the way community what community is to situation comedies mm-hmm. is kind of what this book was to uh, to straight comic books yeah. where it would take they each issue at times would take genres and turn them on their ears. Um, and it was just, it just one of those fun books that nobody, I won't say nobody knows about. Cause when I said it, some people were like, Oh yeah. And Bird knew, and en- Mr. Hotmoo over here knew enough to tell me, you know, tell, talk about, you know, the captain. and you were saying that too. Um, but it, it, it's just one of those, those books that nobody read really. Thing and
0: boom, put you in his pants.
3: Uh, huh. which is, which is such a, which is so sad because it's, it's just such a, was such a fun book. Yeah. And it, it and it, it, Appeared around the time of Civil War, so they were. I guess they were trying to go in a certain direction. Like I said, when the EOC or EIC says, you know, keeps trying to say, no, this isn't in continuity. Yet, you know, books out there, Civil War books, are putting them into continuity, and things are happening. um, You kind of, it kind of isn't a book that's going to last too long. But that's that's definitely a uh, a guilty pleasure, Um, and uh, another guilty pleasure of mine. And it was it actually got a lot of uh, a lot of play, and it, it was one of the more adult um, indie books. And I'm not talking Bumpa Chigao, although there were sex specials for this book. But uh, Bill Willingham's Elementals um, is a book out there that's a guilty pleasure of mine that I just I tell people about. I tell them to pick it up, and I really haven't had many people say that they didn't enjoy it. But it's, it's one of those obscure, I won't say obscure, but lesser known indie titles from around the 80s and 90s that had a, a more of adult feel to it. It was more real feel, uh, kind of an Astro City before Astro City was there. Um, so that's it, that's one of my you know, guilty guilty er pleasures. Um, I just love that book. And like I said, it, it, there were a couple sex specials and things like that that they did where you saw, you know, it was it was real. So they were. Hey, you know, people have sex. Superheroes have sex, and that's <laughs> and that showed it. I mean, so, oh yeah, so oh yeah. So those those are some of my guilty pleasures. I'll, I'll let somebody else talk now.
0: <laughs> uh, Brent, we'll we'll hand it over to you. Uh, guilty pleasures. Yeah, come on, you got to have at least one, if not four, or three, maybe two, maybe a half.
2: Really? If I don't like a team book, I don't, I don't really. Continue to read
0: it. Well, so. I'm, not, I'm not even. I'm not even talking about ones that you didn't like. I'm just talking about ones that uh that maybe you know were off the beaten path ever so slightly. I really liked the
2: uh, the Outsiders before it became Batman and the Outsiders with Chuck Dixon. Oh yeah, and I liked Batman and the Outsiders until it went off the rails. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess that would be my answer. the Deal. <laughs> yeah, it's a deal. Gazinta.
0: <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you, Mary. <Martin. laughs> now I'll I'll co-sign that. I mean, Outsiders was a really fun book for a while. Yeah, for a while. Yeah, <laughs> for a while. Exactly. Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and uh, and say mine. Actually, uh, one that is a controversial book mainly for what it led to in the Marvel universe. At the time, I was really a big fan of Zeb Wells' reality show, New Warriors. This was the, uh, the Scotty Young and Zeb Wells New Warriors book where essentially it was like the New Warriors doing their best to, I guess, remain relevant in the Marvel Universe. And they figured the best way to do that would be to start up a reality show displaying their antics. And uh, that's, that's where the, the, the book went. It was, it was silly. It, was, it, it had great Scotty Young art. So, I mean, you, know, you can't go wrong with that and and wells had a decent grasp on the characters and again it was right before civil war and that reality show new warriors became the uh i guess the 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 opening blow for civil war due to the explosion that they caused and the following penance <laughs> which ensued but at the time i was a really big fan of that book and, and i i still would say that to this day uh, and I had one or two on the top of my head, and I'll get back to them in a moment because they're not coalescing at the moment. So I'll, I'll hand it over to uh, Shane.
1: All right. So I'm going to give you three. One I'm just going to mention because I'm dying for someone to pick it up and do something with it. Go ahead. DC produced, uh, I think, about 13 issues of it in a miniseries and a regular series, Mask, mm. the Mobile Armored Strike Command. <laughs> um, I'm just dying for someone to do something really good with that. Never going to happen. Please, somebody do that so you can stop talking about it. Please. Year after year. Another one is uh, Gen 13 when it started with uh, Image and then went to Wildstorm. I read every last single issue of that. It was uh, a lot of fun to read for me. I I always got a kick out of what they had the characters do. It was silly. It had battles. It had bad guys. It had girls in scantily clad outfits. Sexy (laughs) ladies. It was just a lot of fun for me to read, and let's see. Uh, I guess the last one will be Danger Girl. Same, very similar reasons to Gen Thirteen. Sexy ladies. Uh, it didn't hurt that it had a Sean Connery lookalike in it, um, even though it started out as Medicine Man Sean Connery, and then went to uh, Hunt the October Sean Connery. <laughs> um,
3: also didn't help. There was also J. Scott Campbell as as in.
1: Yep, that didn't hurt. Gen either. Thirteen was too. Yep. Um, that was, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad that um, IDW is doing some projects with uh, Danger Girl again because it's just a, a fun little guilty Danger. pleasure universe to play around in.
0: Danger!
1: I was going to I'm going to get up and do a, little, do a little John Oliver. Yeah. Danger! Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's got some James Bond the uh, theme song going.
3: <laughs>
0: I, I, just, I just remembered uh, one of the other ones I was looking for. Not the original Extreme X-Men, the re Extreme X-Men uh written by Greg Pak. Uh, another series that only lasted uh technically 12 issues but the 13th Oh, that was like
2: the the X-Men Exiles
0: Yes, thing? pretty much. Yeah. It it was it was very similar to Exiles, which was one of the reasons that I enjoyed it. But it uh it it was another one of those books where they gathered together a bunch of characters from alternate realities to try and right wrongs, only it was, uh, I guess, maybe a little sillier than, than Exiles was. And the the initial team for this one was <clears throat> Our Universe's Dazzler, Sage, again, also from Our Universe, but she doesn't come along until later, uh, A uh, alternate dimension Wolverine called Howlet. And a younger Kurt Wagner that actually reminded me of the look of the uh, X-Men. Uh, what was the name of the animated series after X-Men, the animated series? X-Men Evolution. The X-Men Evolution uh, mm, Nightcrawler. Yes. Yeah. And eventually we got a Civil War era Scott Summers in that series as well. And, uh, you know, it was just another one of those silly team books that, uh, you know, came and went. And they had a freaking floating Professor Xavier head, which told them everything to do. So uh, <laughs> go, go figure. Uh, Adam, go ahead.
4: All right. Uh, well, just so Shane doesn't feel lonely with his love of mask, I'm going to throw a, <laughs> a, a, my, my favorite uh, forgotten 80s toy property that I'd love to see revived. Visionaries, nice. Knights of the Magical nice. Light. Wow. wow. Yes. Magic powered combat and adventure amid the ruins of a fallen age of technology on an alien planet. I was glued to this. It just celebrated its 25th anniversary this past year in 2013. I was nine years old, I think, when it came on the air. I was glued to that every Sunday morning. There there was a tie-in animated series. Marvel did a few issues of a comic book as part of their
3: star line. Yes, and people who did that don't put that on their resume. So. <laughs>
4: Come on. I still think there's potential in the concept and one of these, you know, license hungry independent publishers, you know, IDW or Dynamite or somebody is going to
1: snap it up eventually. It's right. Something you with keep it. with that Adam. Yeah. You keep that. my
3: dream alive.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm you get telling to a company you. have a Mask Visionaries crossover. Yeah, I, I would I would buy that. I would too. I <laughs> would buy that.
3: The Mask GI <laughs> Joe Transformers
1: Visionaries ThunderCats. Oh, hey, ThunderCats. Show. You know. Hasbro, Hasbro produced one mask figure in their G.I. Joe line mm-hmm. as a special little throwaway. It was Matt Tracker, man. Talk about and for something to happen, and it never did. <laughs> Shogun Warriors. Man,
3: Godzilla.
0: I, the list goes on. I still have the second season of that uh, Thunder Thundercats relaunch sitting on my DVR waiting to watch someday. Hmm. I've seen a few episodes yeah, that of that was pretty on, good. on Toonami. It's yeah. actually pretty good. It was pretty good, yeah, at the time, definitely. You got any others? Oh, you bet I do.
4: Uh, I got – well, Kurt Busiek, fairly early in his career, in the 80s, did some – a few issues of something called The Liberty Project for uh, Eclipse – and that was kind of a, a little bit of a rip-off of the Suicide Squad and a little bit uh, prototype for Thunderbolts. It was a group of super-powered costume criminals who were brought together by the government to go on you know, secret missions you know, for in exchange for reduced prison time. Except, uh, unlike the Suicide Squad, these were redeemable characters, likable characters. Well, some of the characters in Suicide Squad were likable, I guess, but uh, they were... These characters uh, seemed more likely to make something of themselves as a result of their involvement in this team. And uh, the, the it was reprinted in like a pocket-sized trade paperback a couple of years ago. Picked it up, liked it a lot. Uh, not, I don't feel guilty about it exactly, but it's it's kind of a rarity as team books go. Guilty pleasures, I guess the Legion of Super Pets would probably uh, fit that description.
0: And, um, and the uh, Pet
4: Avengers, for that matter. Oh, yes, yes. I have a soft spot for both those organizations, especially the Super Pets. Um, the, the Legion of Monsters is another one. You know, like super Like a jam group of Marvel monster characters, Man-Thing, Ghost Rider, Morbius, etc. The 50s Avengers, as such. Uh, who uh, Later became known as the Agents of Atlas, but uh, introduced as a a what-if concept in in the ninth issue of the first volume of What If by Roy Thomas. It's uh, actual uh, 1950s uh, Atlas Comics characters, uh, Gorilla Man, Venus, the living robot – Marvel Boy, and one uh, faux 50s character uh, who was actually created in the 70s and uh, kind of retconned into the 50s, uh, 3D Man. Roy uh, Thomas' creation. Kooky, fun collection of characters, historical curiosities, having adventures in the Cold War. And uh, I also enjoyed when uh, Jeff Parker uh, took it into his mind to uh, revive them. Um, I mean, they appeared as the 50s Avengers only twice, I think, in that What If issue and in Avengers Forever and then they were wiped out of existence by Immortus. Uh, But uh, uh, Jeff Parker brought them back uh, after a fashion without 3D Man this time, although he did introduce a version of 3D Man to the team later on, and uh, he even found a way to make uh, the Yellow Claw, another 1950s character in the Marvel library, uh, work without being completely horribly racist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The the 3D Man they introduced, that was Triathlon, correct? Right, right. right.
4: Delroy Garrett eventually became the new 3D Man, and uh, he did join the group. But when uh, – at first, when they were brought back as the Agents of Atlas, uh, the 3D Man was not part of the group.
0: Yeah, that's one of my favorite oversized hardcovers that I own. Actually, is the Agents of Atlas uh, hardcover because it has in there uh, as the or the original appearances as well as some uh, character bios in the back as well, along with the original Agents of Atlas. So uh, that was that was a lot of fun, and I mm. I probably should go back and reread it at some point.
4: Oh, yep, I'd recommend it.
0: Yep. Oh, but the ultimate
4: uh, guilty pleasure for me, as far as team books go, something that I bought uh, monthly and eagerly when I was just a uh, young, fresh-faced, thirteen-year-old, you know, getting just getting into comics, Marvel's Secret Defenders series. <laughs> I probably should feel guilty about that, but I just <laughs> love the idea of like this rotating. I mean, it took the initial conception of the regular defenders as a kind of non-team who didn't even really like each other and uh, almost by accident got together on a regular basis to fight bari- various menaces. Uh, this was a very literal non-team in that it had no set membership. It was always a different group of characters each time with Doctor Strange acting as uh uh, chaperone, he would assemble for ad hoc missions he would just gather together whichever characters he seemed to think and which Marvel's editors seemed to think were best suited to uh, battle certain menaces which means that you'd always have you know, a Spider-Man or a Ghost Rider or a Punisher thrown in there. Uh, my favorite issues of that series were the ones that uh, involved uh, well, well, strange characters. Like there was one issue that brought together, well, one arc, like a two-issue series, uh, story that brought together villains. So you had Rhino. <laughs> I'm naming him first this time. Super Skrull, Titanium Man, and uh, Nitro, the man who killed uh, the original Captain Marvel. Huh. And uh, brought, they brought them together for a mission out in outer space. So yeah, th- th- that concept I thought had a lot of potential, but it wasted too much time uh, pandering to the big marquee A-list characters, and uh, and then the arcs were usually too long, and the villains uninspired, and so the series was uh, honestly pretty bad. Didn't Jamie's favorite
3: Doctor
0: Druid show up in there too?
4: He did. He took over <laughs> for Doctor Strange as the the chaperone the, <laughs> <laughs> of,
0: the,
4: of the Secret Defenders, and eventually uh, the writers just kind of got. Enamored of this Dr. Druid character and a small supporting cast of other characters, even lamer than he. And uh, so they, they just dropped the whole rotating cast of guest heroes concept altogether. And that's when the title really hit the septic tank and, and, uh, and deserved uh, my guilt. But uh, I thought it was a concept that had some real potential. It just wasn't uh, actualized very well.
0: Well, as as a springboard off of uh, that conversation, because I know we mentioned uh, in the guilty pleasures some books that we might want to see return, but let's get a little more serious on that. Books that were some of your favorite teams that re- might, that might not have been around for a while, and, th- and this will be our uh, closing conversation before we get to, to final thoughts here. Uh, books you'd like to see return, or teams you'd like to see return in one fashion or another into the uh, the comic. Realm. And I'm actually going to go first here and say another Kurt Busiek book, The Power Company.
3: Hey. Yeah. That's a good one.
0: Back in uh, back in two thousand two uh, to to two thousand three, uh, and Buseck loves this type of team—the whole superheroes for hire type thing. Because uh, I know the Thunderbolts worked that way uh, from time to time, and uh, he he went with that concept uh, multiple times elsewhere. But uh, it was a it was a team that essentially you know worked together for the money, sort of heroes for hire type and uh you even had uh characters like Manhunter and and firestorm in the mix there as well i could very easily see this concept working in the new 52 maybe uh combining it with uh maybe an outsiders type uh book and and making it work in the uh, in the new 52 today so uh power company would definitely be my choice brett anything with blue beetle <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. amen yeah all
0: right <laughs>
2: Agents wanna, of Law. It is. I want
1: to see a, a blue and gold, a brave in the Bold blue and gold, the law. Yes. Living action, living assault weapons.
2: <laughs> yeah, or... but, but but I meant Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle, not Ted Cord, Blue Beetle. I'm
1: okay with either. Um, I, I like Jaime just fine.
0: Okay.
2: okay. He really just grew on me. Clarifying.
0: Yeah. Well, he. I. I mean, I know that they've been talking about bringing Booster back as a book, so maybe we'll get more of that blue and gold action going.
1: What I really think would be cool is if you had Booster teaming up with Jaime with Ted hanging out of the cave, so to speak.
2: Ooh. There, that would be neat. Like a pseudo-Batman Beyond thing.
1: Yeah, yep. exactly. Exactly.
0: That would be really cool. I'm down with that. Make it happen. Jamie, just make it good. <laughs> yes, it so- yes. Please make it good. Please.
3: Uh, personally, I would just I would love to see the old uh, Power Man and Iron Fist back. Not, not Power Man part of Avengers back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have Jessica and you can have the baby and all that kind of stuff. And just you know, Danny and and the Danny that Fraction gave us, and uh, just them together teaming up, either hero, either doing the hero for hire thing, um, which I would think would you would need to give them a reason just to be together, and just them. That, that was just that was one of my one of my favorites from back then, and they've danced around it. They put them on the same teams, yeah. Avengers here and there but just just the dynamic of those two individuals now that you know they've kind of grown up and uh, have responsibilities and have accepted responsibilities you know whether fraction writes it or or somebody i would i'd think that would be a, a really cool book to do just the two of them and you know their, their supporting cast has grown to be such that it would be you know you could bring in you could keep bringing in, you know, Misty Knight and Colleen Wing, yeah. and, and all those people um, from back in the day. But that would be one I'd I'd love to see come back as a team book.
0: Just uh, so not Heroes for Hire specifically. The two no, of them, no, just and, and you know, just
3: so, Power Man and Iron Fist. Just,
0: all right, cool. Boom. That that works. That certainly works. Shane, do you have any others other than Blue uh, and Gold or?
1: Uh, boy, you know, I, I really would like to see the JSA come back. In, in all its grandeur, mm. as much as I am enjoying Earth Two for the most part, I really would would just like to see JSA come back.
0: Yeah, honorable mention by the way, since since it really hasn't come up on this uh, episode. Jeff Johns JSA for revitalizing oh, yeah. uh, the entire uh, oh, yeah. concept of the, of the Justice Society back in the day. That was yeah. a great book, no question. Uh, no JSA All Stars was by far the better book. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get words out, man. <laughs> no offense to Freddie Williams. Yeah, right, all right, all right. And uh, yeah, Murd, go ahead.
4: Okay. Um, well, I would echo uh, Shane's sentiment about a uh, JSA book and uh, and an All-Star Squadron book actually. It would have been my yeah, first that choice. Was, that was
1: my next thought, yeah.
4: I just don't want it to be set on the Earth 2 that DC is publishing right no, now. No, I don't
1: either. I want it to be a separate – Separate Earth. Yeah,
4: if we could just get back to the original DC multiverse somehow, some way,
1: yeah. that, that, that's something I'd want to see.
4: But, yeah, so barring that, and I've also already mentioned the fact that uh, Visionaries, Knights of the Magical Light,
0: <laughs> <Yes>. will return.
4: <laughs> this is, this as, is not a prediction. This is not a prognosis. This, this is simple fact. As written, as written by Adam, Adam Murdo. <laughs> if I have to, 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 just to prove myself correct, I, I will, I, I'll assume the burden myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, so a third choice for something that, uh, something that could be brought back, uh, in the way of a team book that I would really want to read, um, if they could get Gail Simone to write a Secret Six title again. Oh, yes. Uh, I'd go in for yeah. that. I, I would have said Secret Society of Supervillains, but the DC Universe is kind of villained out right now, so this, now is not the time, I don't think.
0: But, but There's yeah. evil uh, forever.
4: Right. (laughs) Or seven issues, whichever comes first. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, actually, strangely enough, I'm going to go back to something I mentioned earlier almost uh, tentatively as a guilty pleasure and say, Legion of Super Pets. Mm. I think uh, I would actually read a title called that. It might inject some much-needed levity perhaps into the new 52. And, I mean, it's, it's – we, we've already seen a version of Crypto. It was introduced during uh, the, the Morrison's Action Comics run. So we could just find a way to work in a flying cat, monkey, horse, and a shape-changing blob from outer space. Um, Rudy. Yeah, I mean, it would be a little darker in tone, probably, but I, I could actually see DC doing that because they just seem to be exhausting every possible spin off of their big franchises that they can. Yep. How many different Batman books we can have here? How many different Superman family titles? I mean, why not try you know, a, a darker, grittier take on the Legion of Super Pets just so they can say that they have? Uh, that is something that I would actually support if DC wanted to try it.
0: And and speaking of uh, of legions, it would I would be remiss not to say this. And uh, I believe the Legion of Substitute Podcasters would probably come and find me. Uh, Legion of superheroes, Woo. bring it back, bring it back. It, it just died. Too bad. Bring it back. You no, know, there's got to be a year
2: between death and comics and resurrection. Yeah, is that is that is that the rule? Spider
0: Man. Oh, that's true. That's true. Amazing Spider-Man is coming back now. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> gee, <laughs> but <laughs> we didn't see that coming. But no, I mean, give me a good Legion of Superheroes yeah. book with a nice, solid creative team on it, and I'll be good to go.
3: They did do that, and then freaking yeah. Then they screwed it up. Paul Levitz had to come in and say, "This isn't my, this isn't my Legion." Well, f you, Paul. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, you know, it, you can't go. Everything can't go back to you. I mean, I'm, and I'm talking about the. Abnett Lanning oh, yeah. version of the Legion, which that I absolutely great. loved. I'm not a huge, personally, I'm not a huge Legion fan. I like the concept and, but it was just, it was, you can it, it was that one property at DC where they just, they'd hook you and you read and go, oh, wow, this is good. But in the back of your brain, you knew, yeah, in about four months, they're going to change the creative yeah. team to a new number one. Yeah. And Honestly, I don't know how how, you know, the the people that do like the Legion of of the podcast on the Legion can keep up, you know, keep saying, you know, we love the Legion, we keep supporting it, yet, you know, how many times are you going to get hit in the face with a 2 by 4 before you go, yeah, we're we're not going to buy it until maybe you you know come out 2 years with the same creative team and then we'll come back and look at it.
0: Yeah.
2: I, I was going to say I thought that was more Jeff Johns's fault for inserting that legion into the action comics run instead of anything else
3: it i did that i'm not sure i just remember at the time that was kind of when levitz came back and and got a little power and he was he was just like you know this isn't my legion and then they had that nice little everybody goes off into heaven ending and then it started i thought it started to mark wade Oh, you're yeah. talking way before wrong. then. Wait, okay. wait, yeah. Wade
0: and, Kits- and wait, and Kitson's Legion was great. It's just
3: yeah, it just again, but it wasn't what we were getting before. It was a right. different,
1: yeah, it was form In, of the Legion. It yeah. was so very much right. changed so quickly, especially when that other Legion, Abbot Landings, was getting feet under itself. It was yeah. really progressing and and doing very nicely at it. I'm yeah. so, I'm sorry that that first years worth of stuff oh, when yeah. the, when
3: the big reveal comes. Oh, oh yeah, you're just and and honestly, there are a few times that a book, uh, I consider myself, you know, I've been reading for 30, 35 years of my 47 years of life, at least. And there's very few times a book can smack me upside the head. And I go, I didn't see that coming. Or my God, why didn't they think of that before? And when I'm not going to reveal it, but the big reveal comes, I want to say in issues eight, seven, eight or nine or whatever. And I was like, F me, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> why didn't anybody else think of that before? Yeah, That makes perfect sense. That was great. And just from there, they had me hooked on that series. And, you know, it, it had its ups and downs, but I, I just thought it, it met a premature death and for no reason other than you know the editor says, "I don't. Yep. This isn't. This isn't mine." I mean,
4: we. I, is,
3: I still, you know, want to kick Joe Joe <laughs> Q in the balls over what he did to Spider Man and Mary Jane's, you know, and all of that. And that was all because this isn't my Spider Man. Yep. Well, yeah, yeah. Well,
0: that, what's what's DC Comics right now? But that, I mean, yeah. Hey, hey, we're getting some sort of Wally West back, so that's that's at least one step in the right direction. Let's see where that winds up going. But he's a Blue Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> Who freaking
2: knows? And,
3: and and to me, if if I'm, I'm still waiting to see if if uh, Dick Grayson survives Forever Evil because oh, you know, Dio's been trying to kill him oh, for the last two years. or three well,
0: longer than that uh, so in since Infinite Crisis. Yeah, yeah, jeez. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, folks. Let's let's get your final thoughts on team books. Anything that hasn't been spoken now is your time. Open floor. Whatever you guys want to talk about. Uh, CGS boys, you go first. Anybody got anything
1: else they want to add? Good Justice League cartoon back on TV, and I'd be happy as a clam. Hell yeah, Young Justice that should have never went off the air. Yes, I know that's not a book, but oh, I
0: but I agree, one hundred percent. I agree. Yeah, and 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 it was because too many girls were watching it. I mean, what kind of a stupid (laughs) reason is that? Like Um, that just girls don't buy
3: toys. Somebody at DC
4: Entertainment actually went on record, with an explanation like that.
3: Yes, Yes. girls girls don't buy toys. Yep, so that's why they couldn't do the marketing for the toys cuz really? the boys the boys won't buy the toys. Yep. Uh, the boys buy the who buy the toys weren't watching. It was the girls that were watching.
0: Yeah. So so make toys for
4: girls. I mean yeah. how, how simple is that? Or yeah. if you don't want to do that, advertise some things that you think girls will buy during Great. the commercial time and well,
3: Exactly. I mean, it's wow. it, wow. it, it's it's crazy because you look at and I'm going off on tangent here, but you look at at what uh, My Little Pony did. Mm-hmm. They had those equestrian girls and they're more, you know, humanized dolls, dress-up dolls a la Barbie and stuff like that, do sets of that. Do a Robin, you know, doll. Do a, you know, whatever the other, you know, Ar- was it Ar- not Arrowet? Was it Arrowet? Artemis. Artemis. Yeah, yeah. Artemis dolls do, you know, because there were plenty of female characters yes, that you sure could were. do, and you could have all kinds of costume changes and all that kind of stuff. So do, do that rather than a little plastic, you know, action figures that you normally get yeah make them almost a amigo doll and i think the girls would have eaten them up
0: well jamie i'll just go back to avatar the last airbender when they put out toys for that initially and they were shocked that people weren't buying them when they didn't have a katara they, uh-huh. didn't, they didn't have any of the female characters whatsoever it was all like like four angs a zuko and i think a Sokka, and that's that's all you mm-hmm. got when avatar the last airbender it's equally as interesting for the girls as it is for the guy characters sure but you know, hey, apparently, guys aren't going to buy toys if, if, if they're girls, according to them, but mm-hmm. oh well.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's their loss. Yep. To me, and I've, I've said this many times before, team books have always been more bang for my buck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a kid, that was what I was looking for in a comic, which is why I tended to gravitate towards Avengers and Fantastic Four and Defenders. Not so much, never X Men. I don't know why. But I just never got into X Men. Um, but I always that was always my criteria was I was getting more characters, and I was getting the characters I like. So to me, um, when a book comes out and it's a new team, um, that's that's always uh, I still get that that pang um, that you know Spider Sense, if you if you will, from my childhood going. I just might want to spend that three ninety nine and check out what that book is. Yeah. Uh, case in point, I I was gonna stay away from Mighty Avengers, like like the plague. And I thought, no, I'm gonna pick this up. I'm gonna I'm gonna we've we passed a lot of judgment on Greg Land and his his artwork. Yeah. And um I picked it up and damn, if that's not one of my favorite books out there in Marvel right now. I've I've really enjoyed what the writer has done with it, put together a team that's interesting. And again, more bang for my buck. So that's if if you wanna get me personally JBD, that's what you do.
0: Well, that's that's pretty that's pretty close to where I am as well. You know, give give me interesting stories, give me characters I care about, and bada bing, bada boom, I will buy your book. As long as you're not charging five ninety nine for it for forty eight pages or whatever, then um I'm, I'm good to go and I will give it a shot. Uh Brent, any final thoughts? Uh if only we could have said the same thing about Justice League three thousand. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I I am with you, Jamie.
3: Yeah, I I I saw you you posted that on the forum and I was like, oh, yeah, two of us on the phone liked that's it right. anyway.
0: Yeah. No, and, and and hey, and I didn't hey, want to like it. I yeah. didn't
1: want to like it at all.
0: Yeah. And and that's hey, if 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 it did it for you, it did it for you. That's what comics are all about. Yep. <laughs> You're uh, wrong. All right, so I think we're pretty much at our time here. Uh, if you guys want to uh, throw some plugs out there uh, for your various wares by all means. Now is the time. You're sure. really going to have them plug their website and their yes. the behemoth. Yes,
2: for the, the people, little guy on the street, for,
3: for the three people who who listen to like, Comedy. anybody and not listens comic to us speak. that
2: doesn't listen to them?
3: <laughs> Just <laughs> In there case. might be cuz you know we tend to Adam tends to piss people off or right, yeah, so.
2: it's true. I mean, he's got a temper. You know. We keep kicking off the people that piss people off, so <laughs>
3: Oh. <laughs> he went there. That was him, folks. That was wow. I
0: didn't name names. Brett Casina, ladies and gentlemen. Brett Casina,
3: go ahead. Uh, ComicGeekSpeak.com. dot com. Um, These forums. Uh, join us. Uh, we will be also putting this up in conjunction with uh, with them. Um, very proudly that they asked us to be on here. So just go there. You can uh, you can also ComicGeekSpeak.com. dot com. You can see all the. All the many, many episodes we've put up, they are still all available for free download. Just, you know, if if, if you haven't heard of us, uh, please just check us out. If you like this show, we like these guys. And uh, if you're listening to our show and you haven't listened to these guys, give these guys a try, too, because uh, they're they're good people. They love comics, and they pose no, th- no real threat to us, so we don't mind throwing them about.
2: Them. <laughs> Thank you so much. Are you ready for the server crash when this goes up? You okay?
3: That's right.
0: Hey man, come on! Bluehost gives me unlimited, so I, I should I should hopefully be testing them to the limit. That should be uh, that should be good there. But guys, that, in general, thank you for for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure and and technically, this is uh, Jamie and Shane's uh, first official times on here outside of uh, outside of conventions. So yep, right. well welcome yep. welcome and hope to have you back uh, on sometime soon.
3: Just, le- just let us know. We'll be yeah. more than happy yeah. to uh, do Thanks anything you want to do. Yeah, it's a pleasure on our end, too, Ian. right.
0: And, uh, and here's to at least 150 more, and maybe all of them will be with Brent. We'll see. All right. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, you got any BK's bullets? I do have a Video Games 1 coming up for uh, Best Video Games of the Year. Awesome. So it's already recorded. I just need to put it out. Fantastic. And at the end of this month, we'll be recording with uh, Brandon Christopher and uh, Chad Burdett for our usual comic timing uh, year end wrap up. And CGS has their wrap up coming soon as well at the end of the month, so stay tuned for that. The email address for comic timing is comic timing at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out the forums for Comic Geek Speak because I love pimping them. The comic where uh, we were held for many years, and uh, there's still good conversation going on over there. So give them your time of day. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network over at ComicsPodcast.com and the League of Comic Book Podcasts over ComicBookNoise.com/slash/league and facebookcom slash timing and for that matter, facebookcom slash geekspeak for any of you Facebook folk. So once again, for Murd, for Jamie D, for Shane Kelly. For Brent Casina, I'm Ian Leveste, reminding everybody out there that there's always time for comics. Great Thank you. tagline. Thank you. I'm, I, I can't even uh, take credit for that. That was uh, Toby Cook, episode one. He, he somehow came up came up with that off the top
3: of his head. Always time, time for comics. Yep. <laughs> hey, I, I got a, uh, a manga question for you, Ian. Sure. Ranma one half, Rahma one two. What is it? Is that the proper title? Ranma oh, no, it, it's it's Ranma one half. It's Rama one half.
4: Yes. Okay, Jamie, you are correct. Though. Yes. Yeah.
3: We, run- j- we just talked. We just had the previous episode on, and they have the new collected one and one and two edition from Viz Media. And I said Ranma one half, and Mert said Ranma one two. Uh-huh. I don't. Usually correct, Murd and but you weren't 100% sure. I said, Well, uh, I wasn't 100% sure. But,
4: yeah, well, we talk yeah. talking, and we'll I, get it. I thought it was one half myself for a long time, but then uh, somewhere I'd read that it was supposed to be one two because of the two different body types Rama right. at different times possesses. I, uh, okay, every, uh, but it is w- what uh,
0: Oktapu say then, uh, Rama one half. Every, every time I've heard it spoken, it's Rama one half. But for all I know, everyone I could be talking to is wrong. <laughs>
3: He's an idiot. (laughs)
0: There are a lot of us out there. That's right. And and for that matter, manga recommendation, uh, one more, Attack on Titan. Okay. It is is really creepy, but... Fantastic so far. It's about a uh, society that's being attacked by these uh, giant skinless beings, and their only sustenance is humans. So the human race is trying to put up their uh, their last resort up against these huge titans. Mm. Yeah.
4: And then uh, what uh, publisher is uh, publishing that here in the states?
2: Kanji Comics
4: USA.
0: Okay, thank you. Yep. Is that
2: better than that one you made me read? Probably. I, I, I <laughs> Which made. Which one? Which That's one did a I make glowing recommendation. Which one did I make you read, Brent? Was that uh, it was the one about the computer hackers and they made a whale
0: in the computer oh. and that was the virus or something? That was Akihabara at Deep. Yeah, that was that was a while ago.
4: Thanks, Brent. Happy sesquicentennial,
2: guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, you too.
3: <laughs> That'll be in the log line. <laughs>